Well, here comes the juggernaut, Rhythm Nation. It's the concept album that takes aim at social inequality, musically blending hard rock with ballads, pop, dance and new jack swing. It's got something for everyone. This one is truly a brilliant piece of work. So much thought has gone into this record. I have to say though, it can be a little bit galling when any privileged person calls out injustice (laughs) in such simplistic terms. Janet highlights that homeless people exist. Well, so what, really? I I struggle with any hyper-rich person calling out poverty unless Mm. they come armed with a solution. Janet's call to arms, however, surely comes from a very good place. Rhythm Nation is an absolute must-listen and it needs to be listened to from start to end in the order in which it was made. We have a beautiful panel of people today to join us to talk about Rhythm Nation. Megs, who's just woken up 10 minutes ago, I won't even ask you to croak out a good morning. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Listen to that resentment in that teenage voice. And we have David, Simon and Rocco. G'day, everyone. G'day. How you doing? Hello. Rocco, what's the official name of this album? It's officially Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, but it's usually shortened to Rhythm Nation. Um, Some people may say Rhythm Nation 1814, uh, but the full official name is Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. But that's not even printed on the album cover, is it? It is. If you look at her name, there's an apostrophe and then an S at the end of her name. Okay, there you go. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. And who else Mm. happens to know why 1814? Mm. Well, 1814 is the year that Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem. And R is the 18th letter of the alphabet. And N is the 14th letter of the alphabet. And Janet... She says that's a coincidence. Yeah, well, Janet said that she wanted the song, Rhythm Nation, to be a national anthem for dancers. And she heard about that later after she said that. And her, Jimmy and Terry, all thought that that was a really strange coincidence. So they just tagged it onto the album. A powerful, powerful coincidence that R, Rhythm, and N, Nation are the 18th and 14th. That's right, isn't it, Rocco? Yeah. How strange is that? She really wanted to make an album where, look, she's sitting there watching all the horrific news, and it's interesting in 2020, looking at the world through your eyes, Megs, actually, a younger person. And for you or any person in your own lifetime, you think that this is the first time, the first round of catastrophe, the first round of inhumanity. Mm. It's not. But Janet Jackson, yeah, she was very young at the time of writing this record. She's watching the news. And she wants to create what she actually sort of thinks to herself or even articulates the words. I want to, why can't we just have a new nation? One that doesn't have Mm. boundaries and and discrimination. And where we're all bound together by basically music and love. Like, exactly. It's a very beautiful sentiment. It's a beautiful sentiment. That's right. So it sort of was, the whole album was spawned from that idea of creating a rhythm nation yes like a universal thing i always found it interesting though because then she puts in the 1814 which is a direct reference to the american national anthem which i would have thought represented everything that she was sort of trying to contradict yeah well maybe she's trying to transform it 
I guess. Yeah. Anyway, it that way. who could say? But I love the idea of having a concept for an album, though. Mm. I, I love it. Like yeah. I say, I think it was. Sometimes I do struggle, especially the older I get, with some of the lyrics in this album. They're yes. so simplistic. Yeah. It's yes. yeah easy to say. Okay, there's homeless people. People are hungry. People don't have a house. <laughs> bad things. Are yeah, happening, bad things like... are happening. But Janet, where's the solution-focused song? Yeah. Which is probably not quite the <laughs> the point of pop music, isn't it? No. Well, <laughs> you know, it should be. David, how does this album make you feel? Uh, I was very young when it came out. I remember uh, I got it as a gift when it when it came out from a friend, and I listened to it, and it was so exciting. Uh, a new chapter to Janet Jackson, you know, with Control. It was her growing up album. This was just, you know, she was she was wanting to take on a lot of different things going on in society, and I thought she did it very well. It starts off in such a pessimistic way. This album, it really does, but then it ends in an insanely sexy positive place oh which i think is is i think that was by design i have a feeling simon mm. over there in the uk was rhythm nation well did rhythm nation take off so i remember because i was a dancer so i was really really fascinated by janet and she's she's always been one of my favorite artists and i remember it being really difficult to get hold of over here um not Maybe not so much so when it first came out, but it definitely wasn't anywhere near as big as it was in America. Um, she was, she's still kind of the underdog sibling over here, I think, really. Whereas, obviously, in America, she got really, really, really big. But I mean, it was, it was huge internationally. Like, this is definitely her biggest album. Rocco won't like this, but Michael Jackson was incredibly jealous mm. of this album. <coughs> Yeah. He just was, and I know that Rocco will rightly point out, well, where's your evidence for that, Tim? Look, there are little tiny bits of evidence, mm. is what I'll say. If you And you know Michael's brain quite well. So. <laughs> well, Michael said, <clears throat> Michael has complimented this album. He actually said that his two favourite songs of Janet's are Rhythm Nation and The Knowledge. He... Um, said that he danced it he used well used to dance to those songs a lot and um i think that for his dangerous album he was very much inspired by rhythm nation but i think that he, i think that it was always friendly competition it was competition but i think that it was never coming from a malicious place so i don't know if i'd use the word jealous Mm. Well, look, he absolutely does celebrate, in inverted commas, this album, but then he also takes credit for this album. Uh, mm. Jan Janet listened to me one day and I was talking about the military theme. I was going to use it and uh, suddenly she used it. But what do you know? I, I don't care. She called him up after she saw Captain EO and she asked his permission if she could do military stuff for her next video because she was inspired by the video i know but like the fact that he says that like yeah you know actually it was my idea just subtly slips it in yeah you know make sure yeah. that you know rhythm nation i had something to do with it yes in yeah. fact i had the, the key concept yeah well if i may say really quick they both were winners because bad uh was the only album to have five number one hits and then this iconic album was the only i think i think this is a record today it, it had seven top 10 hits or top five hits in america which was in, and four number one hits which it's pretty damn good between a brother and a sister 
it's, a, it's such an amazing statistic. And what I love, what that statistic represents to me is not only the success in itself, but it's the fact that this campaign went for at least 18 months and she did exactly what I, I keep raving on about Kylie should do with disco. When you've got an album that's actually chock-a-block full of hits, yeah, do the thriller, do the rhythm nation, extend it over a long period of time and mm. release little Easter eggs along the way. That's what she did with this campaign. This, this album was in the Australian teenage consciousness for a very long time. I remember been at high school through, I don't know, maybe even year 9, 10 and 11 and Love Will Never Do came out quite late. Rocco will know exactly, you know, if that was at the end. I have a feeling that was one of the last singles. And but it just still sounded fresh, like she's releasing something brand new, even though this had been on an album for so long. This album was the only album to produce number one hits on the chart in three separate calendar years, from 1989 to 1991. And, um, yeah, Love Will Never Do was the last, uh, second to last. I think State of the World was the last single, but there was no video. But Love Will Never Do was the final video. The album cover and the imagery for Rhythm Nation, unbelievable. Everything just aligned with this. I love it when a project aligns. She looks like Queen Nefertiti on the front cover of this and deliberately went dark and militant. Mm. Uh, it's it's brilliant. The whole imagery and then carried through all mm. the singles, everything. There's it, it, there's a, a very distinct feel to the Rhythm Nation era. Mm. She was actually inspired by... Um, <clears throat> like the whole street art scene in New York at that time in the 80s and hip-hop being a big part of music and, and the kind of artistic scene and at that time. She uh, said in the booklet of Design of a Decade that she was aware of all these artists who who would incorporate their concerns and their activism into their art. And she wanted to do the same thing, but for music and for dance music specifically. She said that at the time, nobody really had like these kind of socially conscious messages within dance music. And she said she wanted to lyrically insert something a bit more meaningful. But this was a risk to, to put some of the themes and concepts and uh, lyrics into a pop dance song that she wanted to do. In fact, David and Simon, you may be aware of this, the the push was for her to make Control number two because Control had been mega yeah. successful in its own right and the record company wanted her to come back with Control version two. Mm. Yeah, and she really didn't want to do that. She really pushed away from that because she didn't want to stay the same, which I think is what she's done her whole career, really. Sometimes amateurs know best. And a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. Amateurs, is this the best that they could do? But actually, to go back to the whole issue of her, them wanting her to do a control too, she actually wrote a song called You Need Me, which is about her relationship with her father. And it's, it's said, I don't know how true this is, but it's said that that was written in the earlier portion of, you know, the, the very beginning stages of them making this album. But it ended up as a B-side to uh, Miss You Much. And there were even people saying that the label wanted her to do an album called Scandal. 
and sort of have songs capitalizing on her family and all the controversy that they were in and, you know, just, yeah. David, what are you making of the imagery of this, the video clips, the, the album art cover, the way she looked at this time? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, it was, it was a really good, good choice for her to go. I, I love the fact that she did black and white as the initial theme, like for the album cover and then the first two videos. And I'd like to say, uh, going back to, you know, uh, Janet did play it safe with, with releasing Miss You Much as the first, uh, single because it's just a frothy pop song where, Rhythm Nation, the second single, uh, had a statement and she had things to say. And then you look at that co- choreography she did. Uh, it was so, it was, I think, even better than what Michael was doing at the time. And uh, yeah, so the black and white theme and the, and the, the military look, and she was, she was grabbing everybody's attention, I will say that. It also seemed to be more timeless, though, because when you think of the 80s, you think of really big hair and the big shoulders and all that stuff. Janet's look with control seemed to be more 80s along the lines of what we think of when we think of that era, that decade. But Rhythm Nation, the fact that she kind of got away from that helped it to have a much more timeless quality, you know, like you can look at those videos and maybe you can tell that they were from the early nineties, late eighties, but the fashion, I don't know if it's all that dated. No, well, it was neither masculine nor feminine either. And I think that was quite deliberate. Mm. Yeah. I think she definitely deliberately kind of desexualized herself, especially for the first couple of videos. Um, Mm. And, you know, with the baseball cap and the kind of, with her hair tied back and everything, I think she was kind of del- and the sort of masculine suits, and I think she was trying to kind of desexualize herself as much as possible. Rocco, do you have any information? Was this like deliberately um, sequenced so that, like I said at the top, it took us from a real focus on social inequality through to positivity and you know and basic human instinct, sex, sexuality, fun, yeah. pleasure. Yeah, it it definitely was. And that was something that Janet fought for. Jimmy Jam actually proposed the idea of calling the album Escapade and having the album start with songs like Escapade, Miss You Much, All Right, Love Will Never Do, and putting the more socially conscious songs at the end of the album, kind of like an afterthought. And then... And then Janet was like, no, 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 that's not, this has to be the name of the album. This has to be the message. This has to be the concept. Like she was very specific about how she wanted the album to be presented to people. And, um, and yeah, it was definitely a collaborative effort though with her, Jimmy and Terry, because Jimmy and Terry are very good with interludes and sequencing and helping the album to have a, a transitional like so it's not jarring so you can listen to it like you said from beginning to end did the message of this album cut through did it actually make people sit up and want to create their own nation to actually tackle issues like poverty social injustice racism prejudice did it actually do what it sought to do uh, I think she, I think she made her message clear. But other artists, being uh, there's been a lot of other artists that that were inspired by this album, but I can't say that they were following the same kind of like I want to get. Me- I mean, her brother was good at getting messages out 
obviously about the children. It was always about the freaking children. But, um, you know, I, I think that she was a little ahead of the game because we saw it later on in the decade. And then obviously in the 2000s, when the 2000s started, everybody had something to say about something or other. So she was ahead of the time. Some of the messages to me are overly simplistic, and I probably feel I'm a bit harsh on her because when you're aiming at teenagers, just making them aware of those issues is an important thing, and I believe she probably did that. Mm. But like I say, I, you know, the older you get, the more you can't help but think, you know, yes. after you recorded that, you would have went back in your chauffeur-driven car mm. to your mansion and you know you feel like you've just done something socially good but in fact you're part of the problem yes but there is there are there are ways though that she did help there were two girls who um they were sisters and they dropped out of high school and they said that they uh had listened to the album and heard the song uh the knowledge which was which basically is about you know, encouraging people to stay in school and, you know, follow through with their education in order to get ahead in life. And they say that the lyrics to that song inspired them to go back to school. And they were invited backstage at one of her shows on the Rhythm Nation tour. And um, they wrote down a letter thanking her and gave her their um, tassels, their graduation tassels. So, you know, I do think that there were some messages that, we're very much offering a solution. An absolutely fair call. If, if this album got even two girls to go back to school and to mm, graduate. That's a great thing. It's done. Mm. Then I shut my mouth right here and now. Yeah, and each individual is a massive success. So, yeah, mm. if she helps people live better lives, that's good. You know what? We should actually talk about the music. Some of the, some of the music, oh, my God, I, I, I keep forgetting how many amazing tracks are on this album. Sometimes I think, oh, no, that must be, that would have come later or that was before. Actually, this album is like your go-to for Janet Jackson. Love mm. Will Never Do Without You, one of the most beautiful videos that Janet's ever released. Probably, no, actually, the most beautiful video she's yes, ever released. Yes, her best, her best. Unbelievable, yeah. Her best, by far. Uh, well, that was Janet was very, very smart uh, because Rhythm Nation came out in September of, of 1989. By the time that was released, it was early 1991. She was starting a new chapter. She was getting us ready for Janet. So we got the killer body. By that time, she was skipping the donuts and getting her body in incredible shape and, and joining one of the hottest guys on the planet. To make a simple but beautiful video and like kind of that back and forth flirtation thing. The cinematography was gorgeous. Um, yeah, it was her best video. A, a be- she looked beautiful. Beautiful. And her Brits directed it, who is amazing and was so talented. He, he's the one that did Cherish? Yes. Yeah. I always forget that Come Back to Me is on this album. Yeah. Towards the end, this is, I love this song so. No, many how many times I hear it, goosebumps. I, it's a beautiful song. Uh, it's things like State of the World and the Knowledge that I really kind of clicked into, um, and the, those are the things that I go back to more so than the hits. I think, um, and then obviously come back to me. I love Living in a World They Didn't Make as well. Um, I think what's beautiful. so fascinating about this album for me is that it's one of the only albums that I can think of off the top of my head. Velvet Rope's kind of similar um, in that it was clearly designed to be listened to on either vinyl or cassette because there's a definite end of side one 
and a definite start of side two. Um, and obviously I had it on cassette. So uh, Living in a World They Didn't Make was the end of side one. And then All Right was the beginning of side two. Um, and I think when you listen to it as one piece, it kind of feels those tracks kind of feel a bit dislocated. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's de- I think it was definitely designed to be kind of, okay, here's the political side. And then here's the not so political side. It's so funny you say that, Simon, because the first time that I heard this album, it was on cassette. A family member got it for me when I was a kid on cassette. And that was the my first way of listening to it. And I definitely can see that. I also, mentioning Come Back to Me, I love the album version. I also love the French version that she recorded. Yeah. And I love the new... I love the new mix also that they put on uh, Design of a Decade with the new um, intro. I thought that was really nice too. The Time to Talk show is a podcast made by passionate amateurs who simply love pop culture. Unlike other podcasts, we can't raise revenue through traditional advertising. So we rely on the support of our listeners to keep us going. If you'd like to make a donation to Time to Talk, click on the link in the description. Your support will help with our production costs and allow us to keep bringing you content that celebrates, honours and skewers the very best and worst in the world of popular music, film, trends and culture. Thank you for enjoying our shows. We absolutely love our growing legion of loyal listeners. Was this the first time she used interludes this way? Like, had she? Yeah, because it's really. No, I, I, I control. She had a couple megs. Not as, not yeah, as. That was, that was only a nine-track album. It was a shorter album, so. Okay. Not in the same way. Like this was the first time she used them as actual interludes. Like control, yeah. it was kind of the ends or beginnings of songs. Like this is the first time they were separate tracks. Yeah, separate. But tracks. but but wait, Simon. She did my favorite one off control with. Uh, what have you done for me lately? With yeah, but it's cut- part of the song. Yeah, but it's spoken interlude. Yeah, but it's just. Yes, you're right. You're, you're right. Yes, yes, yes. You are correct. Yes, <laughs> you're correct. But yeah, it's the, it's not separated as a separate track. Correct. I, yes. This is the first time she did that. I think. I do have a small complaint, everyone, about interludes <laughs> with Janet's albums on all of them. Why? I tell you what, it is when I'm driving, right? Because you've got to keep your eyes <laughs> on the road. Sometimes I use the little, you know, the on the. What's this called? Steering wheel. Steering wheel. Yes. And press the button. <laughs> and then as the song comes on, and then it just finishes after a few seconds. Like, well, that's very irritating. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Well, when I was a kid, I thought it was hysterically funny. I would, because I was a huge Janet fan then, and I would give like like relatives or my parents or whatever a CD, and I would say, put on track nine or whatever, and it was an interlude. And I just yeah. thought it was a, the funniest thing as a kid, the fact that I told them to put on this song, and it was over in like two seconds. Oh, Rocco, you had a hilarious sense of humour as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. See, whatever happened to it? <laughs> I still have a sense of humour. Oh, I, I used to do the opposite. Slow. I used to do the opposite. I used to make cassettes. I used to make, like, mixtapes, and I would use the interludes from <laughs> Janet in between all of the other songs by other people. <laughs> Because I really liked them. Because I thought it was a strange group of people here. (laughs) 
What's even stranger is that I love everything I'm hearing from everyone. <laughs> and all right, since you heard, that's why I know the interludes off this album so well. Die Violet, what the hell is that? Like, you know, when she's changing the channels? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know this. Bit. No, I heard it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I always like that. What does everyone else hear that too? Die Violet, does everyone know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's it goes just, too quickly to, for me to understand, but yeah. I think we've seriously digressed. <laughs> Which is a good thing. I wanted to talk about um, the living in a world they didn't make because I fundamentally disagree with the developmental psychology she's putting forward. Oh, God, here now, we go. here's why. <laughs> she's pushing the idea of a noble savage. Sorry, is this Jordan Peterson talking or you? Well, a bit of both. Really. <laughs> she's pushing the idea of a noble savage, which is a myth, right? It, it's, it doesn't exist. And so she sort of implies, you know, that... Adults are the the cause of all yeah. of all the you know the meanness of children, mm-hmm. which just isn't true. Like that we children, teach children hate. Yes, that we teach them hate. When in reality, they have the potential for hate and love in them. And socialization is what's supposed to bring the love out of them and and enforce an ideal that's that's morally acceptable. Can I just extract what would your chorus have been? My, <laughs> I wouldn't have made the song. I don't. I don't think the songs It'd be very hard to rhyme everything you just said. Oh yes, that's true. That's <laughs> true. You, you just broke Simon's heart because he loves that song. Oh, this, song this song should have been left for Michael, in I my think, opinion. Yeah, it's oh, I love strong. it, and it's good musically, and and the message is sort of nice, and it and it seems like it's it's right, but you know when you look into it a little bit further, it, it's just not. It's just not correct. I hope Janet's listening. Simon, you love it. Yeah, I do. I think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Built, and she sort of implies it's taught. All right. um, Rocco, have you got any statistics for us at all? Like, how did this album do? You've already said it had a number one album in three consecutive years, which is pretty phenomenal. I mean, the sales figures of this are off the charts, aren't they? Yeah. um, So this was her second consecutive album to top the Billboard 200. It was also certified six times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. It was the best-selling album of 1990 in the United States, and it has since sold an estimated 12 million copies worldwide. <clears throat> that is that is phenomenal. That is massive. Yeah. And I hate to correct Simon, but you said this was her best selling album. Janet was her best selling album worldwide. Yeah. I was there. Yes. Janet, 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 Janet sold about 14 million and this one sold 12. So, and I was like, I was, when you said um, um, Rocco about the best selling album of 1990, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what about Metallica's album? But that came out in 91. And then, wait a minute. Immaculate Collection came out at the end of 1990 and is a diamond platinum album. So that's very interesting, you know? The Immaculate Collection earned that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Later on, later on, correct. Yeah. We're talking about specific sales of 1990 alone. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to mention um, going back to the like specific songs, I want to mention Escapade, which I love. Um, I feel like it's such a nice carefree song and such a nice addition to the album. Uh, But I also want to talk about All Right and Black Cat because on the album, they have different versions than what the singles were. 
And I love the, I actually prefer the single versions of those songs to the album. Um, Shep Pettibone added some incredible horns to All Right towards the end. And when I listen to the album version, it annoys me that those horns never come in. Because to me, that makes the song. And I also love the guitar on the single version of Black Cat better than the guitar that you hear on the album. And I don't know if that's just because I'm used to hearing that version over the album version. I probably heard the single version before the album. But yeah, that that kind of... When I hear those two songs, I think, God, she should re-release this. And put the single versions of those songs on the album instead, just so that it, I don't know, it feels better to me. Well, they recently put all the remixes on Spotify, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which really excited me because I hadn't heard most of them. And I was always really angry that the rap that's in the long form version of the All Right video wasn't on the album. Yeah, from Heavy D. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that this album launched her debut concert. Yeah. Uh, and which, which a real, the most successful yeah. debut concert or something. Well, like she's just was, so known as a live performer and it's amazing mm, to think that she actually hadn't toured. Yeah, like worldwide before. Yeah, and here she, this, talk about a killer album to, to launch a touring career. Mm. Amazing stuff. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was massively successful, wasn't it? I'd yeah. love to take you to see Janet if we get through this COVID thing at all. Janet comes back. She's oh yeah, nothing like she was, unfortunately. But, no, but she started almost like a little revolution, which is what she was trying to do. It's what Madonna sort of did with Rebel Heart. Like, so I want to start a revolution. If you think like this music though is is good, her dancing unbelievable, mm. and oh, no I one know. does it anymore, I Megs. I don't Paula understand. Abdul dancing. Well, Paula Abdul yeah. choreographed most yeah. of it around this era, actually. But the, I just don't understand when I watch the modern performances, and I know this is such an old, crusty thing to say, but where's the formations, Ariana? And yeah. all of well, well, Tim, we got it with Britney, because Britney was hugely inspired by Janet, but since, yeah. Britney, but since, Br- since Britney, we haven't really seen a lot. It's just, it's kind of dated. It is. Yeah, as great as it is. But all the, the K-pop stars do that. Yeah. All the K-pop yeah. stars do that, and they're huge. But even if you go to like commercial classes and stuff now, like obviously, because I still dip my toe in. I haven't been as much with COVID, but I still dip my toe in every so often. And you know, dancing's kind of the way people are being trained now is different, and it there's not so much focus on uh, sort of uniformity and and patterns and stuff like that. It's more about the personality of the dancer now um there's a brilliant slightly off topic yeah. there's a brilliant uh little mini documentary about lady gaga's stupid love video and the choreographer calls out somebody for basically not doing what he's being what he's choreographed because everyone teaches you to just be yourself now and he's like that's wrong you need to stop you need to do what i've taught you and it was really interesting because no one no one's like publicly saying it but it just means that they end up having to change choreography because yeah, because it's that the industry's changed. But Lady Gaga's the only big female female artist today that I can think of that's known for her really good dancing. Like I'm thinking uh, of Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Dua Lipa. Yeah. They're all singers. Dancing. Uh, Lady Gaga's Lady Gaga's an okay dancer. I wouldn't yeah, she's not that good. Um, oh, she's great. Nothing mm. like Janet. Though. Janet. No. no. Unbelievable. No, but she was psychotic. 
And, and, and I just, like, I genuinely mourn, genuinely, genuinely mourn the fact that I don't get even once and every now and then to turn on and see, like, a performance where there is an incredibly dramatic entrance. Mm. And you know those moments, David and Simon, you know them, like, where mm. the artist would arrive and it was like, Holy Jesus, they're here. And, and stop then the music for a bit. It doesn't have to be formation, but yeah. something huge. It just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Good it's almost man. like cool to be casual and just wander from the left side <laughs> of the stage with your microphone skipping a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I... I and, and I think of Ariana Grande's... I think it's Six Rings. I think that's the song she performs that. Seven Seven Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say six? But... <laughs> She did a performance of that and it was very similar like she didn't dance much but it was like really she can't dance period period she's a terrible live performer i don't bring up ariana grande with me i just get angry sorry hey dancer she's amazing who who ariana grande oh yeah she's amazing she is she's very talented man she's so talented well, yeah, but she performed that song and it was lots of energy, even though there wasn't much dancing. To the, only person, the only person who is allowed to dance on stage, but for a completely different reason, is Taylor Swift. Oh, oh my God. God. Tim, come on. Really? You're, you're pissing me off now. Come on. <laughs> for the same reason, David, as you're saying, though, because I'm amused by it. It's, it's <sighs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Oh. Anyway, we are seriously off track. Uh... Should people listen to this album, Megs? Uh, yes, I think it's very sophisticated and it's very cool and I like how she's drawing attention to issues even if, like you say, she's not giving like clear-cut solutions to them. Um, and, and yeah, I just think she should consider the existence of antisocial toddlers, that's all. <laughs> very good. Of course you do, Simon. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, it has to be listened to all the way through, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. Faultless. Rocka? Yes, not only should they listen to this, but they should also listen to Velvet Rope and Janet and Control and even All For You. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this this album brought in the 90s and the 90s was filled with, with amazing music and, and Janet hit the nail right on the head with this. So it's a must listen. There you have it, my friends. It is a must-listen. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. It's a mouthful. Go and listen to it. Get yourself a copy. And as we've all said, don't just randomise the tracks. Mm. Go on a journey. Yeah. Close your eyes and go on a journey. I guarantee you, you'll be standing up and dancing before you know it. Thank you, everybody. Mm. What a great review. Hi. Really briefly, by the way, if anyone wants to hear Janet Jackson talking to our show, they have to go and listen to, ironically, The New Kids on the Block. Oh, podcast. yeah, that's right. If you want to hear Janet Jackson on Time to Talk. I loved that podcast. I had <laughs> so much fun. I never laughed so much. 